We are continuing our Methodist Essential Sermon Series today, and we're talking about grace. And I want to share with you why grace is a Methodist essential. Every Christian, anyone who believes in Christ that falls under the umbrella of Orthodox Christianity, would believe in grace. You cannot read through Scripture and not find God's grace not only present in the stories about God, but in the actual words that are written in Scripture. But it is an especial topic, an essential for Methodists. Our Scripture this morning is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, and verse 8. Hear the words of God speaking to us through these words of Scripture. However... God is rich in mercy. He brought us to life with Christ while we were dead as a result of those things that we did wrong. He did this because of the great love that he has for us. You are saved by God's grace. You are saved by God's grace because of your faith. This salvation is God's gift. It's not something you possessed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So as we get started, let's talk about what grace actually is first. And I need to give you some terms this morning. I'm going to share several verses of Scripture, several words with you. And on your way out this morning, you'll find a little handout, a little cheat sheet on the table in the middle if you'd like to pick one up that will include all of this information. Let's first start with the word justice. We talk about wanting to see justice. We hear a call for justice in Scripture. Justice is when the scales are balanced. When we do something wrong, we lighten our load and make someone else's heavier. So justice is us getting some consequences that return those scales to even. Justice is getting what we deserve for the actions that we have chosen. That's when we believe in a justice system, that people get what they deserve for the actions they've chosen. Then there's the word mercy. Mercy happens when the scales are unbalanced, and in order to balance them, you get less than that. God relieves part of that burden. Mercy is when we get less of the negative consequences of our behavior than we deserved. You may have experienced this as a child when you messed up, you smarted off to your mama or your daddy, and you didn't get what you deserved. They went, whoa, this is your warning. Don't do that again. Mercy is when we get less negative consequences than we deserved. Then there's the word blessing. We talk about receiving blessing, Blessing is when we get more than we deserved. We were, had some good coming to us because we've done something good, but we got even more, so it was a blessing. If we think about it in terms of, say, employment, a fair day's work for a fair wage, that's just. But when we also like the work that we do, when we're paid more than the job might be worth. When we like our coworkers and look forward to going to work each day, that's a blessing 
And then there's the word grace. Grace is unmerited, undeserved favor that comes our way. It means that not only do we get mercy, but we get blessing too. Not only do we get less of the negative that we had coming, we get more of the good than we should have expected or felt entitled to. It takes us from a negative to a positive. God's grace comes to us in a bounding measure far above what we could ask or deserve. It is more than mercy. It is more than blessing. It is grace. And grace defines how God interacts with humankind. It's a word that sometimes we use so often because we talk about we Methodists have dined at the table of grace so often that we forget what a wonderful thing it is. It's the difference between someone who has been starving and has had bad food to eat and not enough of it, and they finally sit down at a table with good, nutritious food that is cooked well and served and is palatable and wonderful. And they taste it and they go, oh, this is so wonderful. Those of us who've been eating that good food all the time sometimes come to take it a little bit for granted But grace is God's way of saying, I love you. I created you in my image. I have a plan for you. And no matter how many times you mess it up, I'm going to keep coming to try to bring you back into relationship with me. As Methodists, we tend to divide God's grace into three categories. It's all one grace, but we talk about three ways that it works. One is God's prevenient grace. And when you type that word into your word processor on your computer, it will work really hard to try to correct your spelling on that. So if I ever send you anything that says prescient or prevented or I was trying to type prevenient and grammarly got the better of me and corrected it. But just like the prefix pre, we hear it on preseed and preschool Preschool comes before school. Preceding is the thing that comes before. Prevenient grace is the grace of God that goes before us. It is God who draws us unto God's self before we even know it. For John Wesley, it it encompassed all of the things that draw us to God, including, but not just, our natural conscience as well as the way God draws us. I have three scriptures to share with you about that. Romans 5, 8 says, God shows his love for us because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God and Jesus did the work to redeem us while we were still sinners. Before we even realized what they were doing, God was already at work to draw us unto himself. 1 John 4 verses 10 and 19, and that's a great chapter for reading about this, says this is love. It is not that we loved God, but that God loved us. We love because God first loved us. We respond We are able to love because God loved us. 
And then Hosea chapter 11 verse 4 says, I led them with bands of human kindness. I drew them with cords of love. The God who created you, who called everything that he created good, wants to draw you into relationship. God wants more than anything to have a relationship with you. And if you look back on your life, perhaps you can see God drawing and wooing and inviting you into relationship. John Wesley's picture of this was a house, and he likened provenient grace to the front porch. I, of course, he didn't grow up in the southern United States, but I did. So that front porch is a big southern front porch where somebody says, come sit down and have a glass of iced tea. Let's get to know each other. God's provenient grace draws us and invites us into relationship. And then we talk about God's justifying grace. This is the grace that saves us. This is when we respond to that invitation to relationship. And God goes ahead, as John Wesley says, and pardons us. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23 tells us. But God goes ahead and pardons us from our sin when we repent and accept the gift of that forgiveness available to us in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8 that we read this morning says, you're saved by grace through faith, by trusting in that offer. And that's God's gift. It's not something that you possessed. We can't do enough to make ourselves right. God did the work. All we have to do is accept it. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, He rescued you from the control of darkness and transferred you into the kingdom of the Son He loves. He set us free and forgave our sins. The term for justification is one that is often used in accounting circles. It means we're going to go ahead and forgive that debt, even though it, it, we still have to do some work on it. We're going to account it to you as though you're already righteous. When we accept that offer, when God looks at us, my friends, he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our shortcoming. He doesn't see all the ways every day we fail to live up to his standard. What he sees, he sees us through Jesus. As a child he loves. A child he's proud of. A child he wants to gather and spend time with and get to know and have join him in his work in the world. That's what God's justifying grace does. But the good news is that justification is not the end of our story. There is sanctifying grace. Now that we've been accounted righteous and forgiven like Jesus, God's going to go on to try to make us more like Jesus in reality, to perfect us in love. That is the work of sanctifying grace. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 says, It is God's will that you be sanctified. Matthew 5, 48, we hear in the mouth of our Savior as he delivers that sermon on the mount where he says, Be perfect, 
even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Whew, that's a high standard to keep reaching for. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that in and of myself, I am incapable of being perfect. Even if I confess all my sin and I get right with God, I'm only going to be perfect for about the next breath. Because then I'm going to have a thought, I'm going to have an action, I'm going to get up and do something that's not going to be pleasing. But moment by moment, the Holy Spirit keeps working on us to make us more like Christ. To make that a reality. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do in order to fulfill his purposes. My friends, we don't have to do this for ourselves. We don't have to exhaust ourselves trying to reach that level of perfection. What we do is surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit and allow God to help us be who he's called us to be. This is the work of God's grace to draw us, to accept us, to sanctify us, and make us like his son, Jesus Christ. It characterizes the whole of God's interaction with human beings. God is gracious and kind, loving and just. Every denomination has a theme that seems to be their favorite that characterizes who they are and what they do. Some focus on sacraments. Some focus on preaching. Some focus on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and their operation among them. Some focus on holiness. Some focus on the doctrine of hell. For Methodists, we focus on grace. Because grace makes all the rest of it work. God's grace will keep us out of hell. God's sanctifying grace will make us holy. God's justifying grace will bring us into relationship. Grace does it all. If you give a Methodist five minutes... Give them one minute to talk. We're going to talk about grace. Our goal is to have God's grace infuse everything that we do. Every sermon, every conversation, every mission and outreach, every program of our church is designed to help people connect and respond to that amazing grace of God. A unique story that an almighty all-powerful, all-knowing God who created all that is wants to have a relationship with us. Wants to nurture us and love us into being people perfectly created in the image of His Son. I don't know how we would have a Methodist movement without grace. It was John Wesley's experience of that grace that led him to all that he did. It was the spark that started the Methodist revival that eventually became our church. Grace hasn't always been a popular theory. For when John started preaching salvation by grace through faith, he got run out of almost every church he preached in. So he did something he never thought he'd do. He went outside. He preached in the streets. He preached in the fields. He preached on tree stumps. He preached in the local pubs. At one point, 
when there was no other land that he owned and everybody had driven him off of everything else, the only place the owner could not drive him off was the property where his father was buried and he stood on his tombstone and declared God's grace and love for the whole world. We are a people of grace. Not just Methodists. Not even just Christians. But the people of God. We literally exist because of God's grace. And our mission is to share it. To tell the whole world there is grace in God. God loves you. Come and respond to that. Let's pray. Almighty, gracious, and loving God, your grace never ceases to amaze. It absolutely boggles my mind that you would extend such a gift to us. Oh Lord, I pray that all who are here, all who worship with us today, in this place or at home, would experience your grace, your love, your mercy, your blessing, your grace. Show us how to respond that we might be the people you've called us to be. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.